The Mishnah continues to discuss the process of investigating the witnesses in a capital case where a death penalty is involved. And in general, if we find any contradiction between the words of one witness and his partner, the entire testimony is considered to be invalid. And they're assumed to be false witnesses. That is what we saw at the end of the previous Mishnah. That having been said, the Mishnah tells us that if one of the witnesses states that the event occurred, they witnessed the event on the second day of the month, and the other one says that it happened on the third day of the month, but they both say it happened on the same day of the week. However, regarding the date of the month, they have a difference of one day. Their testimony is considered to be valid. Because it is assumed, the one who said that it happened on the second day of the month knows that the previous month was extended to be 30 days and not just 29, whereas the one who said that it happened on the third day of the month didn't know that the previous month was a 30-day month. In those days, the whether a month would be 29 days or 30 days wasn't fixed, there wasn't a fixed calendar. And it will be decided at the end of the month based on whether witnesses came to the base then, that they saw the Rishchidosh moon or not, whatever it may be. But this is a very clear and obvious assumption that they are not lying and they're not contradicting each other. Just that the one who said that it happened on the third day of the month didn't know that the previous month was a 30-day month. But he said the same day of the week, so it's clear that they are not lying. The truth is the Gemara adds this is only true for the first half of the month. After that, it was already assumed that everybody knows whether the previous month was 29 days or 30 days. Now what happens if one of them says that it happened on the third day of the month, and the other one says that it happened on the fifth day of the month. Here's a difference of two days. The only way this would be possible if we, is if we start assuming that one of them didn't know about the previous two months. In a case where the previous two months were 30 days and he didn't know, that's already a stretch. Like we just said, already halfway through the month, it's assumed that everybody knows whether the previous month was 29 or 30 days. So in this case, it doesn't pertain of their testimony would be invalid. Next case, what happens if Echad Omer one of them says that the event occurred two hours into the day. The Echad Omer and one of them says B'Shalishais, it happens three hours into the day. In those days, they didn't have watches and the times were not totally accurate. They based it on how many hours of daytime, of the sun, would there be, etc. And it wasn't so accurate. So if one of them said it happened two hours into the day, and the other one said it happened three hours into the day, it was Kayemes, their testimony is invalid, and this is not considered to be a contradiction between them. Because they would never know exactly what time it was. They can easily make that error. However, if one of them says that it happened three hours into the day, and one of them says that it happened five hours into the day, that's already too large of a difference to base it on a simple error. It's considered to be a contradiction between them, and he doesn't betela, their testimony is invalid. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, that testimony would be valid. According to Rabbi Yehuda, we allow room for even a two-hour difference, and we, we base that on an error. It's not considered to be a contradiction between them. However, even Rabbi Yehuda agrees that if one of them says that it happened five hours into the day, and the other one says that it happened seven hours into the day, even though that's a two-hour difference, there, people can't make, a di- can't make a mistake. In that case, it's not based on error, because it doesn't, it doesn't their testimony is invalid. 
Five hours into the day, the sun is in the eastward direction. If the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west, so for the first six hours of the day, it's still more to the east than to the west. Over Sheva Chamava Marov, seven hours into the day, it's already on the west side. So there, you definitely can't make a, can't make a mistake. So there would be considered a contradiction between them, and their entire testimony would therefore be considered invalid. The witnesses would be set would be questioned separately, of course. Only that way they would realize that there's a contradiction between them, and if they are making out the entire story. So the Mishnah says that after everything has been, after the entire investigation has been carried out with one witness, after that they would bring in the second witness, and investigate him, interrogate him. If their words emerge to be fitting with each other, there's no contradictions between them, then their testimony will be accepted. And now begins stage two of the Bastin's proceeding, which is the discussion and the debating, the arguing of either side of the argument, whether he is innocent or guilty. And as we learned earlier on in the Masechta, when it comes to capital cases which involve a death penalty, they would open up with a argument for the sake of him being innocent and not guilty. Now, the role of the witnesses is only to testify. If one of the witnesses says, I have a point of argument to say that he should be innocent, we're not going to listen to him. That's not his role over here. Not only that... He's considered to be biased over here because he wants his testimony to be accepted. And so he cannot be part of the debating process, regardless of which side of the argument he's arguing. Or if one of the students who are sitting there, who are not part of the actual based in, if they claim that, I have a point of argument to say that he is guilty, we would silence him. That is not his role over here. Only the members of the base in themselves can be part of the debating process. That having been said, if one of the students there says, I have a point of argument to say that he should be innocent. So then, we're always looking for ways to make him innocent when it comes to a capital case. In this case, we bring him up to sit with the rest of the They would sit him among them. He wouldn't go down from sitting among the beastin for the rest of that day. Once he has gone up to sit among them, for him to be brought down again is a bit embarrassing for him. So once he has been brought up to sit with the beastin, he would remain there with them for the rest of that day. And if there is a decent argument in his words, then they would listen to him, and he would literally become part of the debate. Now the Mishnah adds that, even if the person who we're judging whether he should be killed or not, even if he says about himself, I have a point of argument for myself to say that I am innocent. We listen to him, even though he certainly has bias, Nevertheless, since we want to save his life and not kill him, Shomun Loi, who would listen to him, as long as he's actually saying decent arguments, otherwise we just see it as him being helpless, in which case we would not listen to him. However, if he's giving a logical argument, then he would be listened to. Mission Hay, so we've now gone through the first two main stages of the Bastin's proceedings. The first one is interrogating the witnesses, and then it's the debating of the judges of the beast in and the third stage is the actual vote and giving of the verdict so the mission says if they manage to find 
a way of saying that he is innocent and exempting him from the death penalty, Pataruhu, they would indeed exempt him. That could be done on the same day. Of course, it would need to be done by a vote, but if they voted and more of the Dayonim, the majority of the Dayonim, said that he is innocent, then he would be declared innocent. But if not, his case needs to be left over till the next day because he cannot be declared guilty on that same day. We want to give time to find another argument in order that he'll be declared innocent. So they would wait until the next day, but meanwhile, the judges involved in this case, they would get into pairs. Even once they perhaps left the basin, they would get into pairs and discuss arguments, trying to find arguments that he should be innocent. They would reduce the regular amount that they would eat. They wouldn't drink wine the entire day. They have to have clear heads to judge the case properly. And they would discuss the matter the entire night. The next day they would come early, the basin to the basin, and Hamazake, the one who yesterday had said that he is innocent, Omani Mazake. He repeats his decision that I think he is innocent, and I continue to say that he should be innocent. He is not able to change his side of the argument. The one who until now had said that he should be guilty, he has the ability to change his side of the argument. But we're talking about a case where if he has not changed his mind, then he would say that I am declaring him guilty and I continue to think that he is guilty. The one who until now had said that he should be guilty can give an argument for the opposite way that he should be innocent. However, the one who until now had presented arguments for him to be innocent is not able to go and present an argument that he should be guilty. If they made a mistake in the matter, if they couldn't remember the exact details of the arguments which they had said yesterday, the two scribes of the judges would remind them, they would have it all written down. And once again, in if they managed to find a way of declaring him innocent, if somebody presented a decent argument for him to be innocent, then they would make the vote, and the majority would say that he is innocent, and Petoruhu, they would exempt him from the death penalty. But if not, then they would stand up for the vote, they would reach the third stage of the Bastin's process, and that is the vote itself. And now, it's irrelevant of which side of the argument each one presented. When they come to vote, they can say whatever at that time they think is the correct decision. And if we have twelve judges saying that he is innocent and eleven saying that he is guilty, Zakai, he is innocent, there is a majority who say that he is innocent. However, if there are twelve who say that he is guilty and eleven who say that he is innocent, that is not a significant enough majority in order to kill him. We need a majority of two judges in order to make him guilty. Even if there are 11 judges who vote that he should be innocent and 11 who say that he should be guilty, and one of them says, I don't know, and he doesn't vote. If that's the case, then even if 22 of the judges say that he is innocent or that he is guilty, and one of them says, I don't know, 
If he doesn't vote and say his decision, then no decision and no verdict can be given by the Beistin. Even though whatever he says is going to be irrelevant, because the majority is quite clear, a verdict can only be given by Beistin if all of the members of the Beistin make the vote. So in this case, they are going to Yosifah Dayan and they'll need to add on other judges and make the vote again. Add Kamal Yosifin. Until what point do they continue adding judges again and again? Shnaim Shnaim. They do it two at a time. And after adding the judges, if they don't have any other additional arguments, they would make a vote. And if it's still equal or there isn't a majority of two who say he is guilty, then they'll add on more judges until they reach um until they reach seventy one judges. The base thing cannot be made up of any more than seventy one judges. Now what happens if they've got seventy one judges and they make the vote and it emerges that Shalosha Shalosha Zakin, thirty six of the seventy one judges say that he is innocent, or and thirty five of them say that he is innocent. Excuse me, say that he is guilty. So here we have a majority of one saying that he is innocent, and that's good enough, Zakai, who would be considered innocent. They would give the verdict that he is innocent. However, if there are 36 of them who vote that he should be guilty, and 35 of them who vote that he should be innocent, now we have a problem. We can't add any more judges. There isn't a majority saying that he is innocent, and there isn't a majority of two judges saying that he is guilty. In this case, the only way forward is that they should continue discussing the matter until one of those people who said that he should be guilty sees and agrees with the argument presented by those who are saying that he should be innocent. And the same goes the other way around. The point is they should continue discussing it until one of them changes their vote. The main focus of this Perek and the first part of the next Perek is the next stage of the proceedings of the Basin, and that is the actual carrying out of the death penalty in a case where he was pronounced to be guilty. And the next paragraph and a half go through how exactly he was killed, the four different types of death penalty. But the paragraph opens up by telling us that Nigmar Hadin, once the verdict had been given and he was pronounced guilty, they would bring him out of the Basin in order to stone him, or whatever the death penalty which was relevant was, the mission just talks about Skila, that's considered to be the most severe of the death penalties. And the Mishnah says, Basin, the place where they would stone him had to be outside of the Basin. Shinema as the Pasuk says, bring out the person who cursed. We see from the expression to take him out that he was stoned outside of the Basin. And it had to be also quite a distance from Basin in order that there is still a chance, this is the main point in the Mishnah, that there's still a chance to make him innocent. Until he's actually been stoned, the judges was, would continue trying to think of ways to make him innocent, to exempt him from the death penalty. Echad al Pesach Basin. One person would stand at the entrance of the basin, and he would have sheets in his hand, which would serve as sort of a flag, so that he would be able to signal to the people who are taking the person to be stoned, for them to return to the basin if need be. There would be another person who was riding a horse, far away from the person who had the flags, but close enough that he's still able to see him. And Omer Echad, as soon as one of the judges, or not even one of the judges, if anybody comes and says, 
I have a argument, I can present an argument to say that he is innocent. As soon as somebody comes and says that, even though the verdict is already given, hello, made it for storim, this person would wave the sheets as a signal, the hasus, the person who was riding the horse, rotsuma amidai, he would uh, ride the horse quickly towards the person who was being taken to be stoned. He would stop them taking him to be stoned, and they wouldn't carry out any punishment until it was clarified whether this argument presented was indeed a valid one or not. And Mr. adds, Even if the person who is being taken out to be stoned, he himself says, I have a point of argument to present for myself to say that I am innocent. We would bring him back to the base then, even four or five times. As long as we see some sort of logic in his words, and he's not just helplessly trying to push off his death. And once again, if they found a way to exempt him, to say that he is innocent, they would indeed exempt him, the imlav. But if not, then he would be taken out to be stoned. And now the Mishnah goes on to really describe the process of the stoning, which would begin with an announcement would go out in front of him, somebody would be announcing, so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, is going out to be stoned, because he transgressed this particular Avera, and so-and-so and so-and-so are the ones who testified against him. The reason why they would say that is because this would allow other people to testify against those witnesses, to perhaps say that those witnesses are testifying falsely, they couldn't have known that this happened because they were with us at that time, and they announced, anybody who knows of a way to declare him innocent, should come and present this argument. And once again, we see this big emphasis on the fact that we don't want to kill anybody, and we want to avoid giving the death penalty at all costs.